Good morning. I did have a voice, but it's uh, part of it has gone through a, a bit of a bug, and the other part's gone through singing this morning. So, <laughs> with what I've got left, I give to you. Yeah, praise the Lord. Perfect in power, in love and purity. It's wonderful. Um, I actually preached myself a wonderful sermon this morning. And uh, I got up early. Carol is not with us because she's sick. She was quite poorly this morning. And uh, after sorting stuff out, I, I just lay there for a little while. And uh, I, I, it's as though I, I preached to myself. And uh, it was an amazing experience. And uh, I didn't write any of it down. So I, I just don't know quite where I'm going this morning um, but the Holy Spirit does you know that in Acts 1.8 there's a, a promise does anyone without looking at Acts 1.8 on your, on your phone or in your Bible know what that promise is what was the gift to be in Acts 1.8 it's not catch everyone should know this I knew and hoped you'd say that because you're wrong. You will receive, who said that? Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. God knew what the embryonic church needed, it needed power. This word power is a word dynamis. It occurs maybe at least a hundred times in the New Testament, in the epistles. And when I was thinking about the, the queen, she has power, but it's not the power, the dynamis of the New Testament. Her power is because of her position, and quite rightly so. But the power that the New Testament talks about is an inherent power. God has power not because of his position, but because inherently he is power. And he would reflect, and wherever he was, that power would be made Manifest, And he knew that the early church needed dynamis. It needed his power. And I say humbly to each one of us this morning that we need his power. We receive his word, we give him worship, but we cannot cope without his power. The disciples had the best teaching anyone on the face of this earth has received from the very mouth of Jesus. They witnessed the most amazing miracles that anyone has ever seen on the face of this earth. They received instruction, clear instruction, what they were to do. 
But above everything else, they had to wait for power. Without him, they could do nothing, but with him, hallelujah, they could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's this mighty power that works within us, the mighty power that we read in Ephesians 3. This power that is being exercised within us, the very power of God. And I've been thinking this week about Pentecost, and there's lots of analogies in the Old Testament of New Testament reality. And uh, in, in two of them, which talk uh, or, or mirror, or in a way uh, they're prophetic, in their revealing Pentecost, one is on Mount Carmel, and the other is in a valley with a lot of dry bones. And in both of these instances, life comes. In a sense, fire falls. And things change so dramatically. And on the day of Pentecost itself. And what was the precursor to the fire falling was an alignment, a a sort of a righteousness that would come about. With Mount Carmel, you know the story. In 1 Kings 18, where Elijah is confronted, or he confronts the prophets of Baal. Well, 400 of them. And he says, the God that answers by fire, he is the Lord. And he challenges them to take their their sacrifice, their, their bull, Sacrifice it on their altar. And the God that answers by fire, he is the Lord. And so they do it. They, they make their altar and they, they chop up their bull and they, they dance and they shriek and they cut themselves. And it goes on and on and on and nothing happens. Then Elijah does a special thing. He rebuilds the altar. He takes 12 stones, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, Jacob's sons, and he builds them, he he puts them in place. Then he makes the sacrifice, then he pours water on it and in the, the, the trough around it, And then he calls from heaven and the fire of God falls and consumes the sacrifice. The fire of God fell when the stones were in position. In in Ezekiel, I read the, the passage. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of the valley. 
it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to the bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked up and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. The bones were aligned before the breath came. The stones were built on the altar before the fire fell. Let me take you to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They were aligned. This group of men and women were all together in one place. They weren't just all together. They weren't just in one place. They were all together in one place. They were as one. They were aligned properly. They were in relationship to one another. And then suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You see the same spiritual reality in all of these. Before the fire, I looked at this, I was sort of locked into this wonderful flower arrangement. Isn't it beautiful? It's absolutely amazing. Each one is is lovely in its, its own right. Each flower, each leaf. It's beautiful. But somehow, when they're, they're put in their rightful places together, you get a beauty and something that is beyond that. You see, Christ prayed that his church would be one, just as he and the Father was one. And that he consecrated himself to the cross, to death, 
that we might be one. The Holy Spirit will not come unless there is first a genuine sense of oneness because he's not a spirit of division. He's not a party spirit. He's not a spirit in any way that would set anyone against anyone else. Perfect in power, love, and purity. He will pour his spirit on hearts that are broken and ready to love one another. And to go into a broken world at whatever the cost and give our lives back to him. Just as on the day of Pentecost, these men who were uh, uh, just days before fearful of their lives, they stood up as one. It says Peter stood and preached and the eleven stood with him. They were one. Peter and John, a little later on, were, were, were going to the, the temple to pray. They get to gate beautiful, the beautiful gate and they, they see a, a, a beggar who asks for money. And they say, silver and gold I have not, but that which I have I give to you. He says, look, look at us. Peter said, look at us. He didn't say, look at me. Something amazing had happened. That a whole group of individuals had become one. Do you know, the Holy Spirit is for the body of Christ. He is to make the body of Christ the body. Hallelujah. And God's Spirit broods over the face of the earth. It hovers over the face of the earth, looking for hearts that are fully committed to him. Looking, as in Psalm 133, of, of, of where brothers and sisters will dwell together in unity. And the Holy Spirit is the kiss of God. We can't exist without him. No matter how able we might be in many other ways. I say humbly, because it's true of myself, I can do nothing without him. You can't. He is your daily bread. He is the the air you breathe. You were saved. You were saved to carry the Holy Spirit. You were sanctified that the Holy Spirit could come into your heart. What sort of church? It amazes me sometimes when people say, I, I don't do the Holy Spirit. Or as though there can be spirit-filled churches and not spirit-filled churches. The church can only be, to be the true church. To be a Christian. You need the power of God. 
Otherwise, all we've got is a, a set of rules to live by which we'll fail dismally over. God loves you so much that he saved you and he loves you so much that he has given you his power. How precious is that? Not set you up to fail, but set you up to succeed. And what I'd love for us to do now, there's a sort of... um, I sort of messed up all Roger's plans by saying what I wanted. (laughs) And uh, I don't know how it's going to come together now, but I'd love us to, around communion, for the Lord to, to do something in our hearts that we might be all together in one place. And there's no better place to be one than around this sacred moment of remembering Christ and remembering that it was through his sacrificial death that we first became a Christian, that we're all on the same ground None is better or worse than any other. And it's the same Holy Spirit given to you and me that will enable us to fulfill what God's plan is for you. It's all of him. And so we could align ourselves, couldn't we? And then we can ask for the breath of God. Are you up for the breath of God? Are you up for a second prophecy? Prophesy these bones that they would would align themselves, but there was still no breath in them. Elijah's stones were built, but there was still no fire. The men and women We're in the upper room, but there was still no Holy Spirit. May I pray? Father, as we break bread, and perhaps those that serve could come forward as I pray. Yeah. Father, I pray, Lord, that something... Amazing. You, you would do something amazing. These are acts of God that we've spoken about, Father. They're not acts of man. They weren't prescribed. They weren't planned. Ezekiel didn't know what was to happen. Oh, Father. Father, align us. Align us with the chief cornerstone. The Father, you will build a temple. Don't we know that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Come and fill us with your dunamis, Father. And forgive us, Father, for anything that makes us want to be independent rather than dependent totally upon you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen.